Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and three-time Amazon best-selling, international best-selling author. Uh, you can find out more about me and the radio show at journeytosuccessradio.com. And today is a very special show. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Cambodia Science of Success International Conference and Trip uh, that I went on recently with a number of other Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructors. And uh, let me introduce you or let them introduce themselves to you now. First one is Taylor Tag, and Taylor is also a co-author of uh, our book, uh, Adversity to Advantage. Taylor, uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, please. Well, good morning, Tom. How are you? And good morning, Tim, and everyone else on the call. So I'm Taylor morning. Tag. Good morning. I'm Taylor Tag from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm a, a life coach and, uh, like Tom said, a best-selling author as well, and uh, Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and uh, joined everyone on the, on the trip to Cambodia. So looking forward to sharing some thoughts and ideas about that this morning. Amen. And uh, Taylor, uh, so where can people find your website and uh, find out more about you? Yeah, you find out more about me at theevolvingheart.com. And, uh, great website find out. and great newsletter. Uh, I, I highly recommend people sign up to your newsletter. I got the one this morning and always some very good information in there. And uh, now our other guest was the person who is the reason for the Cambodia Science of Success International Conference and trip, uh, the amazing Timothy Chim, born and raised in Cambodia, had uh, just an experience uh, there that you would never believe. You would think that was just made up and uh, just incredible. I've never seen... When he speaks, uh, everybody in the audience is crying. It's just a very an incredible story. Uh, Tim, uh, introduce yourself to people, please, and uh, tell them a little bit about uh, your the reason for the trip and a little bit about yourself. Uh, yes, Tom. Good morning, Tom, and good morning, Taylor. Thank you very much, uh, guys. Um, my name is Timothy Chim. I am uh, a refugee, a Cambodian refugee escaping from the Cambodia's uh, killing field, uh, actually 1975. I came here in New York, uh, New Jersey area in 1976, and I lived and worked here since then. I am now an all state uh, agency owner selling insurance and financial product and also a co-author of Adversity to Advantage where we achieve the number one bestseller, guys, uh, with Tom and uh, Taylor. Well, the reason for the trip was to follow my dream uh, that happened many years ago to bring something back to 
my native land of Cambodia. I wanted to bring the uh, some sort of uh, success principles so that not any of my people, uh, you know, would kill each other or receive any other treatments like that ever in Cambodia. So the uh, science of success, uh, the principles that uh, put together by Dr. Napoleon Hills was uh, my choice. And uh, ever since I went to Ireland with Tom, right? Uh, Taylor, were you there? I don't remember the Taylor. I was there the year before the year before you were. (laughs) Okay, yes. Ever since I uh, went to Ireland, I had a dream uh, that one of these days I would bring science of success the principle of uh, science of success to Cambodia. And that dream came through just last month in April, actually almost a month uh, now, uh, April 9th, we uh, managed to uh, form a inter- an international convention or international conference on Cambodia science of success, launching the teaching of the principles in uh, uh, the capital of Cambodia. And uh, thank you to everyone that uh, went. I think Tom, Taylor, Jeremy, Razor, uh, Ruth, Dwayne, and Apples from Thailand went with us to celebrate that uh, launching day. Uh, Tom, back to you. Uh, Taylor, let's start with you and the the, the international conference itself, uh, uh, the the first and the last day, but. Let's talk about the the first day, the inter, the international conference. Um, um, I know I was uh, impressed with uh, before we started. There was a breakfast, and I got handed business cards from five or six like quite senior government officials: a secretary of state, a minister of education, minister of finance, and a few other that I don't remember. And then I also remember the the eagerness of those students that we spoke to. And uh, I remember Tim telling me, like, this is the first time they've heard about goal setting and positive attitude and all the principles Napoleon Hill talks about. And as we know here in North America, um, there are a lot of motivational and success teachers. And so for uh, young people to hear what Napoleon Hill wrote about for the first time, you could see it in their eyes. They were just lapping it up. Talk about what your impressions were of, of that uh, international conference uh, and all the people we met that day. Yeah, that was a great day. And it seemed like uh, as soon as we got off the airplane, we were uh, almost ushered right into that conference, which I think was a good thing because it was kind of started off our trip. And uh, it, it was a, uh, a great venue. And like I said, they were at least 200 students there who were eager to learn about Napoleon Hill and uh, the science of success principles. And uh, a lot of it, all of us really had an opportunity to speak at a time. You really you know, talked about, uh, talked about purpose and, and uh, Tim did as well. He we talked about applied faith and going the extra mile. And uh, the students really got initiated into some of the science of success principles and you could tell that the the officials that were there, the government officials, uh, the educators, uh, were all on board with the program, and that that's a great thing because uh, gave us an opportunity to really get started uh, with the science of success in Cambodia, which you know Tim has had that dream to bring. And uh, it seemed like the more that we longer we were there, the the more it seemed like there was just a tremendous opportunity 
to spread the principles and to help educate some of the students uh, that were going through that school and, and beyond too, and other, other, other schools, other opportunities. So my impression were, was great. It was a, a great formal event. Uh, they had a nice uh, introduction uh, to the day and a nice uh, little ceremonial dance for us. And it was, you know, really just uh, get some government officials got up and, and spoke and welcomed us to the country. And it was just a wonderful opportunity to, uh, you know, only give what we've we've learned and some of the education we received through the principals, but to see it in the eyes of the students as well. They were very eager to to learn and uh, you can't really ask for more than that. So my impressions were just one of, you know, grandeur and openness and kindness from the Cambodian people and really got our trip started off in, the, in, the, in a great way. Right. It sure did. And you alluded to or talked about <laughs> uh, right from when we arrived at the airport. And uh, it would be uh, remiss of me not to talk about that greeting that we got. I estimate maybe 35 to 50 people were there and felt like a rock star, like they were cheering for us, lined up for us. <laughs> yeah. Jasmine Flower Reese and other people in the airport looking at us like, who are these people? Uh, talk about that because I know it made an impression on you like it did with me. Yeah, I, you know, we as soon as we even, you know, uh, before we even got out of the airport, they were uh, kind of, you know, just there greeting us with the uh, flowers and uh, hugs and, you know, just waiting, almost anticipating, waiting for us to, to come like it's been, uh, they've been waiting on us for months. And we, it felt, you know, just a great sense of love and, uh, kindness and openness uh, right. as we stepped into the country. And that, you know, that's, that, that was my, that stayed with me because I felt that the entire time, uh, just right. openness and kindness from, from the people. And we had, we didn't even mention that this was like around midnight. This wasn't the daytime. This was like midnight and people had been waiting for quite some time. And so fascinating. Tim, let's uh, talk to you a little bit about that dream of yours. You, uh, an Interred Institute um, purchased a license for Cambodia from the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and you've renamed that course the Cambodia Science of Success, and I believe all the materials are being translated into the uh, native language. And um, talk about a little bit about Interred Institute and, and their purpose and and your plans for uh, the foundation course in Cambodia, because uh, as we know, Cambodia is a third world country. But I believe that once you get Napoleon Hill's thinking into the government, into the schools, into young people, uh, that's probably the best opportunity to move up from a third world country to a second or first world country. Yeah, Tom, my luck was actually coming from the preparation that we did in Ireland. So the dream, the dream in Ireland was to bring the science of success to Cambodia. So when I got that definiteness of purpose, or we call it the, uh, the single dream out there, I was looking for some opportunities to uh, bring this course to Cambodia. So back in June last year or May, May, I think it was the end of May last year, I was introduced to this international uh, education uh, institute called the Interet. It's International Education Institute that is run by Dr. Sam, 
uh, we call him Dr. Samnang, uh, Samnang Son. So uh, a friend of mine, Mr. Sukri Pat, who lived in Cambodia part-time, called me and he said, uh, he said, Tim, uh, I do uh, now have connection with this International Education Institute in Cambodia. We want you to bring something into Cambodia. Maybe you can share your knowledge or experiences and education and everything. So I began teaching some principle of Dr. Hill, which uh, uh, we called it here science of success so i introduced to a few students and ever since the students gather around the classes and they uh, love the course for a few months after that we found hundreds of them came to the class and want to learn more so this was the opportunity that i was looking for dr hill said that uh, once you do have a, a purpose you will find the opportunity opportunities around. So I believe that that was the greatest opportunity for me to bring that class or the uh, principal over to Cambodia. So I volunteered all years to teach that class once a week on Sunday. So people start coming to Sunday's class as they were coming to Sunday's school or church for that. It becomes so popular that the uh, principal or the school uh, said, hey, you know, why don't we do something? And that brought me to the next step, which trying to get the license from Napoleon Hill Foundation to teach these classes in Cambodia. And that's one of the reasons we uh, succeeded in bringing this course to Cambodia. And Dr. Don Green and Judith Williamson of the uh, World Learning Center, the person that I spoke to in Ireland, brought uh, a dream back uh, a dream to her and she said go ahead pursue your dream so with all of these a uh, combination of luck and preparation that I have done and then with the action that was taken uh, we uh, chip in to uh, purchase the license uh, to teach this course in Cambodia and that is the only license that we have so far to teach uh, this class in all over Cambodia Tom? Nice. and uh uh, you didn't mention that uh, the people attending this class, which I can see pictures of, it's like standing room only, packed room. Yes. Uh, they don't yes. like walk 10 minutes. They don't take a bus. Not, no buses there. Uh, some of them come from a far distance and they leave their children at home with their husbands. And uh, numerous ones have told me told me that they didn't miss a single class out of almost a year's classes. Uh, that's quite a commitment when you're leaving your kids at home and you're taking whatever mode of transportation you can find and taking several hours to get to the class. Uh, that's That indicates an amazing commitment from those people. And what impressed me a lot is that a lot of them are women, I think higher than 50%. And... Um, Women uh, lead <laughs> most countries and most families. <laughs> yeah. Whether they're elected or not, they still are the leaders. And so I'm so impressed that uh, the women are, are doing so well at it. Uh, Taylor, what about, uh, let's talk about the trip part of it now. Uh, for me, um, the most memorable will be the trip we took to Tim's Village uh, right from when our bus entered and the parade they had for us, uh, people dressed in costumes and masks and music and young people, uh, the lunch we had with an entire community, 
uh, I can't even get, uh, you know, 12 people on our floor at our condo to get together for anything. And there, their whole community came together. And then giving of the gifts to the families, I will always remember what an amazing gift picker you are because you picked, I think, those matchbox cars. They're like Hot Wheels cars. And I will always remember one kid probably never seen one, but when he opened it, he found a piece of concrete, and right away he was doing like the young kids do in North America, you know, making a noise and pushing it around. And and so talk about that that trip to Thames Village and, and some of your insights and thoughts on that, because that was a very special time, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a great day. And, that you know, that's, uh, I think, one of our, our main, besides providing a 90 front for a the Cambodian science of success. I think that was one of our, uh, you know, most look forward to parts of the trip is going back to the you know place Tim grew up and uh, meeting his family. And, you know, when we arrived, there was a parade for us and, and the entire village was there to greet us. And it was a uh, really amazing, just uh, a welcomeness and an openness from the village. And we got to break, break bed with them. And I, I agree, Tom, the, the gift giving and the, uh, you know, which doesn't cost us much money at all, but you could see in the faces of those children, they just lit up, you know, when they got, got a gift. And, you know, for me, that was the, one of the, the best parts of the day was giving, but it's also going back and seeing, uh, you know, Tim's family and his village and uh, being a part of that day, which it, it was a good part of the day, but uh, it was just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity and experience. Uh, for us all. And I think something that's probably one of the most memorable parts of the trip was, uh, you know, going back to all where it started for Tim because we were there for him and uh, supporting him in his, in his efforts and his dreams. Right. And uh, I had never been to a Buddhist ceremony and I don't know if they classify that as a temple that we went to because it kind of was open air, but to have the, uh, Buddhist monks do their perform their ceremony, and of course we didn't understand what they were saying. And uh, sitting on the ground, taking our shoes off, uh, you can imagine that was pretty hard and painful for me. But uh, I know you did that uh, as well uh, in respect to Taylor. And and talk about that experience because not everybody gets to experience a whole village coming and having the monks uh, pray and. Uh, I thought that was so interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think we're all open to the, the experience too. I don't, I don't know how many of us are Buddhists, but uh, I, I would say there were at least ten to fifteen monks there, and you know we just <laughs> participated, and they, you know, had a little ceremony and uh, broke bread, and we got to, you know, talk to some of them and you know get an idea of, of how they, you know, work within the village and uh, just. Uh, experience in the day. I mean, uh, you can imagine, I don't know, there probably were 300 people in, in this, uh, in the area, you know, all eating together and uh, just participating with the monks and taking pictures and uh, laughing and carrying on. So it was just a, just a wonderful opportunity. Right. And there was one monk who, I don't know if he spoke to you, but he spoke to a few of the people. A, he spoke English and he was kind of outgoing and speaking to our group and uh, I thought that was so interesting that you know that he would be so interested in our international team and asking us questions and speaking English which made it easier for us 
so <laughs> I, re- I really enjoyed that uh, that experience, the whole thing, right from getting into the village with the parade to the lunch with the whole village and the gift giving. Uh, I teared up during that gift giving because those kids don't get gifts, and the way they were lined up around you, uh, you must have felt like Santa Claus at Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was great. It was a great day. We uh, uh, to see the, the the look in their faces, you know, and see them playing with the gifts afterwards. I mean, that, and they weren't even you know paying attention to us. They were all into the gifts they got and they playing with each other. Share and they actually shared, you know, what they had gotten with the other kids, which I thought was amazing too. You know, kids always right. just just open heart and are willing to say, "Hey, come play with me," and that that was right. great to see don't always see that in North America. You see more of, that's mine, don't touch it. Right. <laughs> so that came naturally to them. Now, Tim, uh, we're, we're, let's talk about, uh, uh, and Taylor, you missed this part because you had the uh, sickness there, diarrhea that, that you got. But Tim, your, your, our trip to the actual place where you were lined up with 75 other people to be brought to a short distance away because you could see those tall, tall poles that weren't there, obviously, when you were about to be executed. And this is the actual point where you decided, I'm going to die anyway. Let's at least give it a fighting chance. And you jumped over some people, which you're not very tall. I'm trying to visualize the jumping (laughs) over people. And you escaped. And this was your... uh, can escape, I believe, and and I know that uh, while you were there, you that was pretty emotional for you to be in that actual spot. So talk about that village trip to that little village and the chief, uh, one of the chiefs, a woman who uh, you spoke to, and and just how you felt being in that spot where you actually is escaped and are the, is the reason why you're still alive today. Yes, Tom, the uh, two uh, actual uh, tear-dropping moment for me was first my village, uh, the people that came to greet us, and they put all of that parade and the whole ceremony and all in, saw my uh, relative for the first time in many years, Uh, my two sisters who were, as you actually saw, were so frail and uh, getting older now, and I, uh, I was trying to hold my tears. But the second part of it was the uh, temple that I was sent to be executed, just a few uh, hundred meters away. I didn't know uh, that was so close. I couldn't hold the tears when I walked down to that uh, little pond behind the temple where I used to uh, go down there to take a bath. And that was one of the places where the old cow uh, man or person told me that there was some people walking on the uh, paved road, the road that you and I and everyone else was traveling. So he told me that you got to have to uh, save yourself, uh, including your shoes, I mean sandals and all that. So that was the very touching moment in my life to go back there. And then got the people that were there proved that, yes, indeed, it happened. The people were sent to be executed. 
just a few hundred meters away from the place where we were held. Uh, over 70s of us were held in that temple. Just imagine the temple was really crumbling at the time because after the fighting, the wars and everything, it was not like that before. Most of it remained the same, except that uh, there were wood around the temple was much more dense during that time. Forty years uh, passed by, the uh, trees and everything was chopped down, but the wood saved my life. The area where I ran, I ran and ran and ran until the night was over, and uh, I can't even uh, <laughs> concentrate now because I was I was uh, running for my life, and it seemed that at that moment, after running throughout the night, uh, you know, I got back to the highway and I fell, and it was like that. It seemed that everything else died, not me. But, uh, you know, that was this big decision that the man upstairs tell me what you're going to do. Are you going to wait? If you wait, you're going to die. Then take that chance. And I told my students who was gathering around me during that time, I said, according to Dr. Hill, uh, the person who made the decision fast seemed to succeed. Those who slowed in making a decision, uh, you can find them uh, buried a few uh, hundred feet away. So uh, that's one of the lessons that I was sharing with the students. And they were talking about it uh, last time we, we were in the last class. They were saying, teacher, you were right. If you didn't make the decision, you were among those dead. Taylor saw that at the um, at the museum. Oh, right. Museum. Right. Yeah. 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 Right, let's talk about that a little bit, Taylor. And, and then also maybe you can talk about, Taylor, uh, your sense of gratitude. First of all, you went to that I don't know what that museum was called. I passed on it. Uh, I'm the type of person that I'm the type of person that cries at a commercial. So I knew if I went there, I would be appalled. But um, talk about that experience, because I'm sure it must have shook you to the core and and just made you wonder about what people can do to other people. And then I know you spoke. You used the word gratitude, Taylor, several times over the trip that made you just feel so grateful and blessed for all the things we have that we don't even actually every day count as a blessing that they didn't have there. Yeah, actually, we went to, I think it's called, it's the, Genes it's the Genocide Museum. And it was a converted, I think, high school that they used to hold uh, prisoners back during that time. And it, it, it was, uh, you go and, you know, look you know, at a place where, you know, there was a, there was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, difficulty and holding people prisoner and taking their freedom away and just in, in bare minimum conditions, uh, nothing in a room except the bed and a box, you know, to go to the bathroom. And it, it, it was pretty, pretty difficult to watch. Uh, there was another section of the Genocide Museum, which most people did not go in. And however, Tim and I went in there and they, they had skulls uh, lined up in cabinets. And for me, that made it you know, tremendously real that there were, people, there were people here. Hi, Ruth. Hi, can you hear me? I'm in. Yeah, we got you. We'll get Welcome. you on the next question. Yeah. Welcome to the conference. Right. But anyway, when we did go to the okay. Genocide Museum, that was, uh, 
you know, for me, that was an emotional uh, time because yeah, I really got a full sense of, you know, what Tim went through, how he could have been a part of that, uh, could have been could have been killed. And you saw pictures on the wall of some of the prisoners and they just had uh, almost a blank look stare in their face, you know, almost knowing that they had no hope. And, and that was uh, difficult to see. But it was good for me because I was able to really get a sense of appreciation for what Tim truly went through. And it made me more grateful, you know, for what we do have. Uh, and, we, and what is surrounding us, the resources that we had. And, you know, uh, most people know I did I did get physically ill in Cambodia, and that made me even more grateful. Uh, I think I was probably most grateful for the nice, cool temperatures we experienced there. Uh, and honestly, it was very hot. It was over 100, you know, 100 degrees Fahrenheit every day, uh, which made it uh, difficult. But you just get a sense of the resources that we do have. You know, uh, clean drinking water, you know, the ability to get a meal whenever we want it, um, you know, uh, cleanliness and those things that we really just take for granted. I really got a great sense of gratitude and appreciation for those things because we necessarily didn't have all those that are disposable in Cambodia. And then to go you know, outside the, the major cities and see that most people don't have clean uh, running water. And that, you know, there's, there's a lot of trash uh, scattered along, you know, the, the uh, landscape. Right. It just made you very appreciative of the, of the cleanliness we do have and the things that we have our, at our disposal. And that, that, to me, I got a real sense of it, a very, very strong and powerful sense of that. Right. Me too as well. Ruth, uh, you've joined the call. Uh, uh, yes, a minute. Inter- <laughs> First of all, uh, introduce yourself and then talk about the trip we took to Tim's village, your thoughts and emotions with the amazing greeting and the lunch and the Buddhist ceremony. And and most of all, uh, like one of the biggest impressions of the trip that I had uh, you could talk about is is the palm sugar lady. And, uh, you know, no matter even if you're in a third world country in a village that's really third world, you can still find Napoleon Hill-like people. And uh, this woman was amazing. And I heard she has like 3,000 U.S. dollars saved, which makes her like a multi-gazillionaire in Cambodia. Uh, But introduce yourself, Ruth, maybe with your website as well, and then talk about that trip uh, uh, to Tim's village and how it impacted you. Yes, all right. Uh, thank you, Tom, for giving me the opportunity to, to talk about uh, more about our Cambodian trip. I will introduce myself. My name is Ruth Neslo. I am the only certified uh, Napoleon Hill instructor uh, female in the Netherlands. I'm an NLP trainer, and I'm almost for 20 years, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm busy now with uh, the pre-launch of my institute. It's the Neslo Institute. You can find it on www.neslo.institute or richmind.nl. That's especially for our Napoleon Hill fans. I have that special website. So, um, yeah, I got the opportunity to come along with Tim 
Tim, who is a friend of mine, which uh, we certified together in 2012. We did our certification in Ireland. And uh, he has a big dream, and the dream is to help the people in Cambodia and uh, with the Napoleon Hill principles. So I took that opportunity because I was really moved about uh, a single mom you have in uh, Cambodia in his village. Uh, she's a young woman. And even though you have a lot of men in the village, she's the only one who climbs trees there, more than 100 per day. And she climbs those trees to produce palm sugar. Palm sugar is very expensive in uh, for Cambodian people, and they make a lot of uh, yeah, smooth uh, cakes from it. And we uh, really taste one of them. And I was so moved about her because I used to be a single mom for a couple of years as well. Raised my three kids on my own. And uh, I collected some money from uh, the Netherlands and gave her the money, really some US dollars in her hands. I won't mention the amount. Um, but I was really moved that, um, yeah, she was a single mom and she was very proactive to make a better life. And she already uh, demonstrated uh, the fourth principle of Napoleon Hill, or the fifth. It's like going the extra mile while everybody is over there and no one comes up to climb trees, the palm trees, for a living. And she does. And actually, she saved like 3,000 um, US dollars. And you know what it is. You know, the money goes where the money is. So she got more money from me. And I was really excited to meet her there. She was very polite and very humble to receive the money. And it gave me a good feeling that I can contribute to someone else in another country, even she didn't know me. But uh, we got uh, connected through Tim. And uh, yes, it was for me a very moving day that day. It was uh, for, for all of us. And that woman was so inspiring. Uh, no, yeah. there's a lot of men in that village. None of them climbing yeah. palm trees. Yeah. How come? And this slim, she doesn't look strong. She's not that particularly yeah. big, and here she is. And then a few people have asked me, Ruth, I don't know if you know, does she process it, uh, the palm sugar? What does she have to do after she climbs the tree? Does she just knock yes. everything down, or does she have yeah, to do she, some yeah, work she really pro yeah. yeah, she really processes because... It's not only climbing the tree. What you have to do is that there's a special process to produce that palm sugar because it takes time. Uh, because the sugar comes from drops. So every time she has to do uh, a special uh, mechanism uh, to have those drops collected. And every time she has to climb those trees because she needs to move the mechanism to catch up those drops. So it goes like with drops and she still has the patience to do that. That's why she has to climb those trees a lot and uh, then she gets it down and then she has to process it and she gets it in cans. Wow. So not just an a, a incredible feat climbing the tree, yeah. but while you're up there, you got to actually work at, uh, and process yeah. while you're at the top of these trees. Amazing. Yeah. Let's talk about the uh, Women's Association. That was a big part of uh, some of the initiatives that were uh, put together as part of that trip. And I felt at the international conference and throughout the week, like 
the women were so interested in you and asking you questions and they just seemed naturally drawn to you and and we know that the women's association is going to be so important uh, i don't know in the netherlands but in north america women rule the world whether they're elected or not they rule their families <laughs> they rule their husbands they rule their children and and they really do rule a lot of money as well and so uh talk about the importance of women and and, and as you had mentioned you were a single woman for a while and so talk about that women's yeah. association and and how important that's going to be to help turn a third world country into maybe a second or first world country soon yeah so well, first of all we wrote together a, a book uh, refusing to quit and there i give some highlights uh and also not only the highlights but also the down period of my private life and some of them is, uh, for example, I left home at the age of 15 and uh, because we had a bad situation uh, at home and I decided to live my life on my own. I became a, a single uh, mom on seven, my, when I was 17 and still um, I was very motivated to go to school to study. And even then I already knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Even though we women have so much roles like being a mom, entrepreneur, working, studying, and all those kind of stuff, we still not are really coming up front uh, for our rights. We don't coming up front um, uh, to manage to, to, to fully participate in society. So uh, I really want to be an example and an uh, inspirator and motivator for women to come up front. You don't have to do what I did, but it surely is um, needed that, for example, if you want to negotiate about your salary for a job or something like that, that you don't be humble. You really need to know what your value is and add that value, and you really need to negotiate, for example, for your salaries. Uh, you have to complain that, yes, women are earning less uh, than men in the same position. And at the other hand, it's also women's responsibility to know how to negotiate and know they're worthy and valuable. So what I teach those women is that, yeah, they need to know that they are worthy and valuable and that they are equal, that they get paid uh, exactly as uh, what men are paid for. And also about, uh, yeah, for a higher self-esteem, it's, you know, you don't have to um, allow a man to beat you up or something like that. So it was like about physical abuse, which I had in my youth. And uh, that was really something which I uh, tell the women that when a man raised his hand to you, uh, that you have to walk away from the first time because after that you will still go in some circles with that. And um, also that education is very important and maybe not even education but development, self-development. Um, self-development, um, personal development is very important to higher your, uh, your, your esteem and really teach your children because women have such a role in the uh, raising their children but also being a role model for that if there's physical abuse then the next generation will see that as common and it goes on and on so you have to break some patterns if you have to deal with some stuff but it starts with you so i don't look at men then i'm looking at the women themselves like they can um improve themselves 
and with that, another change can be because um, there will be some movement in there where men has to answer on that because if a, women, a woman doesn't allow a man to beat her up, um, yeah, he has no one to beat, <laughs> for example. Right, exactly. Uh, very powerful thinking there and so important for women to be leaders. And with the Women's yep. Association, Tim's wife is uh, part of that. And some of the women there, they're going to uh, make some initiatives to really improve the the, the, the country. One of the things they're going to do is uh, uh, pick some communities and, and try and clean up the garbage uh, that Taylor had mentioned. And it was kind of shocking to me, but... Of course, in North America, we have garbage pickup once a week. We got garbage cans everywhere. No such thing there. And so I'm looking forward to all the projects that the, the women are going to do. And just to end yes. the show, Tim, uh, uh, Tim, why don't you talk about uh, in the show what we were talking about before we started recording about uh, our big project is to uh, put some wells in the villages there and and you were talking about the hot temperature, and now there's no water. It's dried it up, and people have gone weeks without bathing or even necessarily drinking water, and and people are sick in your village. And so, talk about the importance of this initiative to uh, for us in North America to contribute to financially, and and the end result to be uh, not only just a well, but a well that will be up in the air and and serve a number of families um, and the importance of that. Yes, Tom, thank you very much. When we were in uh, the village, uh, name uh, spoke, Reach, that S-P-O-K-R-E-A-C-H in the province of Kampong Chnang, uh, we saw the uh, need of uh, water, and in front of people's home, you see only a few jars available, and that water was uh, actually pumped uh, from the uh, from the well. And many wells in that village were all dried out. And now, uh, last night, I just uh, spoke to a few of them saying that, look, we need this uh, right away because the children's uh, beginning to get sick, with diarrhea and all of that because there was no water around. It, many people have not taken any showers or uh, having any uh, 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 clean drinking water for many days now. And uh, this uh, report, it was reported in that province, a water source for school uh, school children has become stagnant and disease-ridden. Even if they, if they filter this water before drinking it, they will get diarrhea and fevers and many other diseases come along with that. And... Uh, me, uh, Jeremy, and Chief uh, Dwayne Perry of uh, of uh, Ramapo uh, Lunape Nation, uh, he decided to uh, contribute $1,500. He came to my office yesterday and said, get that well dig. Forget about any other thing first, you know, like the... Uh, the uh, uh, purifier or anything like that. Just dig the water, get the water up, and let the people uh, boil it and do whatever they have to do to uh, to survive now. And so uh, the chief now committed to um, uh, to get the uh, system, the water system for the village of maybe up to 20 to 30 uh, uh, families in that uh, uh, village. 
And uh, thanks God. Uh, also, um, uh, Jeremy has contributed some uh, money, uh, and uh, Taylor's contributed some money, and myself, uh, my daughters, my children, and uh, we are chipping in. Now we got about twenty-six hundred dollars so far, but the project is going to be around three thousand to thirty-five hundred. So we need help on that. But now, uh, last night, I decided to say, hey, look, uh, forget about the whole project so far, but start digging. So it probably take another two to three days if you can find one digger to uh, dig the hole because it's very uh, busy for those uh, well diggers or drillers. They don't just don't have enough of them running around doing things like that. So that was the project that uh, initiated by um, by us. Um, and uh, I know that uh, you guys probably going to join us, chip in a few dollars here and there to help build that water system. Tom, you're going to create the Fund Me project for that, can you? I don't right. know how to do that. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, create a GoFundMe so we all have a link that we could share with uh-huh. other people. And, oh, man, I read an article about North Americans and how much we waste water. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes people will just have the tap running the entire time they're brushing their teeth when they really don't need it running. And think of how we waste what other people don't even have. And water, you can live a lot longer without food than you can without water. And so this is an important initiative. We're going to have a GoFundMe account, and uh, people can donate to this project, and uh, we'll get the people, Tim will get the people to do all the work, but the the village needs the money and they need the wealth. So we're going to do that, and then we're not going to just stop there. We're going to find other villages, and we're going to build other wells as well. So look for that. Uh, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Ruth, for joining us uh, from the Netherlands, the only certified yes, instructor thank you so. in the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And uh, Rich Mind, the I only love your female. website. The only female yeah, one. The only, fe- the only female, because, uh, you know, our friend Michael, he's the male. <laughs> right, right. But he's not doing it. So you're, you're the only active one in the country. I yeah. have been to your website. I love it, richmind.nl. Very well done. I love the Thank you. logo. Taylor, as yep. always, good good to talk to you. And uh, Tim, thank you for an amazing trip and conference. And uh, I plan to go back there. Uh, may have yes, to learn me too. The language. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it, was only the, it was a start. It was only it the was start. A start. Thanks, guys. Let's just you. finish the, Thank you, just finish the, nice uh, the beginning, guys. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you bye very bye, much. Sam. I appreciate it. Bye, bye, Ruth. Bye, everyone. Bye, Tyler. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtutall.com for details.